It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. Especially when the season get hectic. I stay waiting on it like receiving a Nets pick. Nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth you might even hear a story on Gigi. So in depth they might do an hour about the D-League. So in depth you probably should pay him but it's a freebie. Yeah, John Corrales and J. King. Locked on trying to get the 18th ring. So you can miss me with the blah blah. No more Geno time. We watching Jay do the Zaza. Hey there, welcome back to the Locked On Celtics Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We are the Rain and Jays, John Corrales and Jay King coming at you on this Tuesday podcast. We are brought to you today by a new sponsor. We want to welcome aboard Zip Recruiter. If you are looking for the perfect hire, Zip Recruiter is where to go that you can post your job to 100 plus job sites, including social media networks with a single click on ZipRecruiter.com, a special offer coming up in just a few moments on that. Today we're talking about, well, the the big storylines from the uh, Game 1 loss, which uh, ha- are nothing's changed. It's Isaiah Thomas. It's his performance. It's his performance in, the, in light of the tragedy, his family tragedy. Uh, we'll, we'll hear from Avery Bradley at practice Monday. And he's describing his special bond with Isaiah. We'll talk some adjustments. We'll talk about Jimmy Butler and the rebounding. But let's start with Isaiah, Jay. And the, I guess, I don't know, anguish that he was facing and his performance in in light of all, all of this. Still a day later, it's, it's still just amazing to see the resolve that he showed and the support that he's gotten from his teammates. Yeah, it was it was really like one of the weirdest feels uh, I've I've ever experienced in a locker room. Like obviously normally there's there's all like positive energy and people are just getting ready for games and sometimes guys will be locked in, but like people laughing, joking, everything else. And before game 1, it was like and I, I want to stop now just to point out that Isaiah does plan to play game two, and then he's going to fly home to Washington State to be with his family, and then he's going to rejoin the Celtics for game three, which is just an incredible tax, I think, on on just just him mentally. Everything about this right now is, is an tax on him mentally, and and him dealing with it is is what's what's most important. However, he needs to deal with it. 
And but so the locker room scene, it was it was it was so bizarre because Thomas like like he's still or at least in, in game one, he was kind of shut down from his teammates and he wasn't very talkative and he wasn't really letting anyone in. And and the Celtics didn't really seem to know how to treat him. And obviously, like like you, there's nothing you can do that can can cure the pain that he's facing. And and you can be there to support him, and you can try everything. And and sometimes there's there's just nothing you can do. It and that's it was like the saddest thing because, like in the locker room, Gerald Green here he is like breaking down and and pledging to play the postseason for Isaiah Thomas and then like guys come in and and Amir Johnson is playing like slow jams on his iPhone and other guys are like smirking at him and and it's just just this weird feel where like some of the guys in the locker room are like almost not not normal because there is their their pain for Isaiah but they're not dealing with it like he is and and it, there was almost like a disconnect between him and like like his mental state compared to everyone else's and obviously there's going to be that but it was just just really like like just a feel of, of a group of guys that that didn't necessarily know how to act together and and normally like acting with your teammates is is the most the easiest thing you you deal with they're the guys you see every day but but just for that game one and and, and maybe it's just an outsider's point of view but it, it just seemed like like a very very strange feel of guys that didn't know how to be for Isaiah Thomas even though that's that's really all they wanted to do was was make life easier as much as they could for Isaiah Thomas and and what he did was just just unbelievable like to score 33 points and to to come out r- right away and hit two three pointers and it was it was just a you you, you always look at him and, and know like that is one tough little son of a bitch <laughs> and and then but to see him in that moment and with that pain and as heartbroken as he was it, it, it was it was just remarkable to see him push through all of that and and do what he did and he didn't play a perfect game like he committed six turnovers he he could certainly play a crisper offensive game he he will play better i assume later on in the series but but for him to do that the the way he was feeling and, and the emotion that he was feeling and 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 lacking the normal normal positive energy that he always has with the that smile that that really is like a contagious smile it was it was surreal to watch it and i mean just my my heart just goes out to him to to his family to to everybody who who's who's friends with him his sister it's just an incredibly tough time and and i, I do have like i've always always respected that guy but but for him to to be that raw and that hurt and and to somehow find it in him to do the things that he normally does that i i, I have more respect for him today than i did before and 
and, and what, what's what's always separated him and I, I i know i'm i'm talking a lot now and no go ahead uh, but but what's always separated him is like like he's the star that feels most relatable and that's not just because he's five foot nine either but because like he let he lets people in he he has always been the guy like like he he is very open when when he's irritated by by something he'll say it when he is when he is very you know in awe of of tying someone's record like a legend's record he'll let you know like he he has always let people in and always been very candid and i think he was kind of the same way obviously he didn't talk to the media very understandably before or after game one but like just the emotions that he showed on that stage like he was still letting people in and you could still feel very very powerfully what he was going through so it it really was a a an incredibly different perform or experience rather than than I've ever gone through while covering a basketball game it, there was just a different energy from from any other sporting event anything else that that i've really ever gone through and obviously that's because of the circumstances and that's because of it happened at a time in the playoffs when and it seems callous to even point this out but it that's when the focus is on the celtics the most and that's when you know the the pain will be felt by the 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 most people and i don't know it, it was it was just a really just a, a a strange feeling in there and I, I don't know how he did it yeah it, it, that's a tough thing you heard a little bit about it from the analysts and and you know a little bit from playing and and I know from when I was playing that the, the there is a sanctuary on the court and it's it's hard because I can say when I was playing but I was never playing at that level where the sanctuary is so public when, when I was, you know, I I could go and disappear into an empty gym or even if it was a practice or even a game, you know, my game was a few hundred people, not a a few thousand people, you know, 17, 18,000 people plus millions watching on TV. So the sanctuary only goes so far, but even with all those people watching, the you you kind of block that out and you you do find solace in the routine of going out there and just completely fully engaging your mind on something else the task at hand and it does provide a little bit of normalcy at a time where your entire world is crashing down so i can see some of that i can see why guys decide to play in times like that because it is their most comfortable place. It's their safe place. It's, it's where they go to feel the most normal. So even in a crazy playoff game and atmosphere, even with all of the stuff that he's been going through Isaiah playing that, I, I kind of get it. I kind of get why he decided to do that. I would totally understand why he wouldn't if he decided not to. That's completely understandable as well. But I understand some of what goes into making that decision. I can also see that in a locker room before a game, there's a routine. 
these guys and you get pumped up for a game, especially a playoff game, there are certain things you do to get yourself pumped up. There's some guys like to talk. Some guys like to joke. Sometimes guys get serious, whatever it is. But there is an atmosphere. And when that when you're not sure how to be around somebody that I can I can understand that, too, how if the locker room was was weird because it's a weird thing. That's not something that's normal. And it's it's not something that anybody as close as they are. It's hard to know what to do around Isaiah in that situation. The one guy who has a much better grasp on that than anybody else is Avery Bradley, who is a Tacoma guy just like Isaiah. I mean, those guys are all super, super tight. That Tacoma, Seattle fraternity that's in the NBA – that is as tight a bond across the NBA as you're going to find. Those guys all love each other. And uh, Avery Bradley talked about today in practice, he talked about knowing Isaiah from when they were really young. And they're, it's hard to believe that they're, they're about the same age. So they played together very young, 12, 13 years old. So Avery and Isaiah – have a a special bond that even goes beyond teammates. So let's listen to Avery Bradley talking a little bit about that bond today, uh, Monday, in practice. Avery, there's been several examples already of this team coming together with times when basketball and life kind of intersect. There was Nancy Smith last year rallied around Coach, rallied around Coach Stevens. Uh, the community holding hands earlier this season and now with Isaiah. What is it about the personality of you guys that kind of lends itself to being able to handle these situations? I think we're, we're like a family. We're together every single day. So um, you almost become a family. You care about each other. And uh, going to battle with each other every day on the court, it brings us a, a closer. And, um, you know, playoff time is all about fighting, leaving everything on the floor. And I think that's our mentality going into every single game. And we just have to play better for one another. That being said, the emotions of last night, how draining was that? It was draining. Um, you know, I, I said it last night. We, we just were playing for prize air, playing for each other. We know that it's tough times right now. But I feel like the best, it's better to, you know, show with your actions and with your words, especially after a loss. Um, you know, we can say whatever to him, but I think our actions really let him know that we care for him. And, you know, um, this is his sanctuary being on the basketball court. So for us to be able to make him feel happy and make him feel like, you know, we have his back, I feel like as brothers, that's what you're supposed to do. Isaiah's always such a, you know, a vocal guy, a gregarious guy. He's obviously not like that. How do you guys, as a team dynamic, and you as the, you know, most tenured guy, how do you guys kind of compensate for the fact that he's maybe not up to filling that role? Um, he might, he might not be the. He's doing it by his actions. Isaiah's coming out. He's playing hard, and um, it takes a lot of balls for somebody to go through that and still be able to come out and perform at a high level. And, um, even though he, you know, he was just screaming or um, Isaiah, he still went out there and fought hard, and it made us want to fight hard, harder for him. We just made some some mistakes that are fixable, and uh, they have a chance to do it tomorrow. Avery, people don't understand what effect you you and his connection like, and the Tacoma connection. I mean, Tacoma is a place that a lot of people. 
you know, kind of the stepbrother in Seattle and people. What's that connection like? You guys are from the same place. It has to resonate even more now. I mean, me and Isaiah have known each other since we were kids, since we were 12, 11 years old. So um, we're just family. And no matter what goes on, we're always going to have each other's back. You know, we're always going to be there for one another, and I think he knows that, and I know the same about him. Um, we're always going to support each other. Not to say our teammates aren't going to support us as well, but we're, we're family, so it's different. Um, I'm going to be here for him no matter what, and I'm just happy to be a part of his life. He's a special person, special player, and um, I know that as this playoff series continues, Isaiah's is going to continue to play well, and um, I'm going to continue to support him. And he's going to play for his sister. Last question. Yesterday, a lot of you guys have been very aware of kind of giving him his space and, you know, talking about when he's ready to talk. How do you balance that, engage that this week, and where he's at, you know, what he needs from you guys? I just think it's respect, um, respectful to um, just be there for him. And, you know, if he wants to talk, you talk. If not, you're just there to support him. That's the most important thing for him right now. Okay, Jay, I guess the first thing that stands out is I, I, Avery Bradley is just – is there a more pure human being, a nicer human being than Avery Bradley? I mean, that guy is a top-notch guy. It's, it's unbelievable. He is just – everybody should have a friend like Avery Bradley. I've said this before. He's the only man I've ever called sweet. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. There's just a really like sensitive and very compassionate side of him. It, it just it, it really does feel like like he would be a, a terrific friend to have. Yeah. And so there was the pregame that the image that was uh, TNT was sharing with Isaiah just breaking down on the sideline. He had gone out for pregame shoot around. He seemed OK. Then he sat down. And the moment kind of got to him, and he was sobbing. It's the moment that Charles Barkley said made him uncomfortable. A side note, I think Charles Barkley got too much shit for that. Uh, maybe he didn't say it the right way. I kind of understood what he was going for, but whatever. I think the thing that he got crap for was saying that it was a bad look for Isaiah Thomas. I know. I think he said it wrong. That I think that he, I think what he was trying to say was that it's it, not that it's a bad look, I, and maybe I'm wrong, but I, I didn't take it the way a lot of people took it. I think that he was looking at it as a guy that's that that is that shooken up. Like I, I don't know how you can possibly go out and play, and so. Anyway, that's a side note. I really don't want to go down that road too much. Uh, I think it's inconsequential. Uh, more, I, I just want to focus on the image of Avery Bradley was the guy who sat down and was consoling Isaiah in that moment. I think Avery Bradley is the guy that is – I think you kind of see him as uh, what kind of glue guy he is, to use the cliche, in that locker room. He's the guy that kind of – I think he would do that for anybody, but especially for Isaiah. So it's just an amazing moment for Avery Bradley and, and, and a touching and, moment. And you could see in, the, in that moment, like Avery, 
even then he didn't know what to do. Like like he went over and he, he I don't think he said a word during during the the clip they showed on TV. And he was just kind of sitting there and, and holding Isaiah's shoulder. And and sometimes there's there's just nothing you can really do to help as much as you want to help. That was that was an incredibly powerful moment. And it, it and then hours later, Isaiah Thomas had 33 points Shit. somehow. It, it it boggles the mind that he was able mm-hmm. to do what what he did and play as well as he did. So, okay, that's that's the Isaiah conversation. We know that he's going to play in game two tonight, Tuesday night. We know that he is going to go home, like you said earlier, and then rejoin the team in Chicago for the Friday night game. Uh, the it, I, I don't want to sound – I don't want to oversimplify or, or sound insensitive, but in a for a guy that's trying to do what he's trying to do, uh, he does have two games off, two days off. So the extended playoff schedule allows him to travel home and still rejoin the team in time to play the game. So that's what he's trying to do. That's his goal to be with his team and to play this game and not miss time. So the Celtics do have two days off in between games two and three. So Isaiah is able to to do what he intends to do. So and if he decided while he was in Washington to miss game three is a total, un, totally understandable thing. Support for this podcast comes from NetSuite. NetSuite lets you run your business from your phone so you can see what's going on with your company in real time. Go to NetSuite.com slash podcast to get your free guide and find out why NetSuite is the last business system you'll ever need. So all that being said, the Celtics do have to actually play a game two. Game two is happening Tuesday night, regardless, uh, in the, as will the rest of the series. And one thing they have to fix, uh, I guess, right up front is the rebounding. Now, I'm sure Danny Ainge would love to be able to use something like ZipRecruiter to just plug in, hey, rebounding help, and pop in a bunch of names that he can get to get rebounding help. doesn't quite work that way for the NBA, but... If you are hiring, you can use ZipRecruiter to post your job to find all the best candidates. Posting your job in one place. I used to be a hiring manager in a past life, so I know all about this. Posting a job is a pain. Finding quality candidates is a pain. And you just want to say, here's this job board I want to post to here. Here's this thing I want to post to here. And it's not that easy except it is now. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job to all of the top sites, and now you can. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks. This is amazing, like Facebook and Twitter, with a single click. I can tell you from experience, this would have saved my life, probably would have saved my past job, if I'm going to be honest with you. You can find candidates in any city, any industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. You don't have to juggle emails or calls to your office. You quickly screen the candidates, which is the hardest part in all of this. You can rate them and hire the right person fast. It really streamlines the process. So you can find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by Fortune 100 companies and thousands of small and medium-sized businesses. And right now, our listeners can post jobs 
on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-Celtics. Okay? That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-Celtics. I'll say that one more time. You can try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-Celtics. And like I said, if Danny Ainge could go there and plug in rebounding help and spit out a name to help with guys like Robin Lopez, that would really help because Robin Lopez had eight offensive rebounds and decimated the Celtics in especially a horrible second quarter, which despite going with established starters in a mixed with bench guys to start the second quarter, the second quarter was still a problem for the Celtics. So I guess now... Are the Celtics awake and aware enough, Jay, to say, huh, maybe we should start trying to box out a little bit. Maybe we should stop turning and looking. Maybe we should engage people when the shot goes up rather than just turning and staring and letting guys swoop in for offensive rebounds. Yeah, and and that was not a huge shock that they got pummeled on the glass because we've seen them – a lot of times get pummeled on the glass, but they had, they had really gotten a lot better at limiting the damage on the defensive glass over the second half of the season. And the Bulls, since trading Taj Gibson, hadn't been nearly as good at offensive rebounding. So I didn't think that was going to be this enormous issue during this series. And then game one, it was. Game one, every single flaw that the Celtics had whether it, it was rebounding be- bench scoring like every single trouble area you you thought might hurt them in the series was about as bad as it possibly could have been and Brad Stevens said today at practice he said they had 40 points off either transition or offensive rebounds and and 40 point like the <laughs> they really did a good job on the Bulls in in the half court, but it didn't matter because they just got crushed, crushed, crushed on the glass. And Robin Lopez is like like he's a he's a good enough player, but he shouldn't get eight offensive rebounds. The Bulls are like like they're a they're a pretty physical team, but they should never get fifty percent of their misses grab 50% of their misses like they did in the first half. So it was just a pathetic, pathetic rebounding performance by the Celtics. And I I know, I know you were just trying to link, link zip recruiter in, but don't, don't get people started on, on whether (laughs) Danny Ainge should have added rebounding help. Uh, Let me tell you, people will fire away with, with the thought that that Danny Ainge should have upgraded the roster at the, prior to the trade deadline. I don't want to get into this. <laughs> I don't cuz my my mentions on Twitter have been a 24-hour grease fire. It's just been a mess. But look, it, it regardless regardless, this is where they are now. They, whatever you want to say he should have done, what I, I don't want to talk about it right now. This is where the Celtics are. And I agree that the Celtics, it's not a surprise that the the Bulls out-rebounded them. It's not a surprise that anybody out-rebounds the Boston Celtics. But like I said on last night's show, getting beat on the boards is one thing. Getting destroyed and embarrassed on the boards is where you lose games. 
And I say, I'll say it again. Rebounding tends to be an overrated stat because if you look at the top rebounding teams in the league, they're not all good. You don't have to be a good rebounding team to be a good NBA team or to be a championship NBA team. You can be a less than average rebounding team and still win a championship. But you cannot be the worst rebounding team you've ever seen. And that's what they were in the second quarter. And I don't know what that that was really the worst. And and I quoted, uh, I think Brian Robb had the stat. It was literally the worst rebounding effort the Celtics had all season long. That is the, the word I just used, effort. That is the single biggest thing. And it's it's day two of me ranting about it, but effort is the way to go. It, it's, it doesn't take a lot to just not suck at rebounding. I'm not asking them to go out there and be five Dennis Rodmans. I'm just saying don't suck at rebounding. And... <laughs> It's it's be be like you could just be bad. I, I I'll be happy if they were bad rebounders. Just don't ab abjectly suck at the that skill, because if that second quarter, if the Celtics just rebounded their usual way, they would have that second quarter would have been much different, and the entire game would have been much different. They would have actually probably scored while Isaiah Thomas was sitting rather than not score for those four minutes. They would have built a lead and it would have changed the entire dynamic of the rest of the game. Because then if you go into halftime with a lead rather than just getting bailed out by Al Horford at the end, if you go in there with a five, six point lead and you build on that lead to start the third quarter, that changes the types of shots that Chicago takes, that changes the mentality. Maybe Dwayne Wade starts to feel like he needs to take over. Maybe Rondo tries to do too much trying to take over. Maybe Jimmy Butler tries to do a little too much trying to take over. And it just changes the entire dynamic of the game. So those little things, they're cascading. It's the snowball off the top that becomes the big avalanche. You have to do these things early so you can build up a lead late. And that just this way, you're not relying on miracle runs or hoping to hoping Jimmy Butler finally misses because he's going to go on his inevitable, inevitable stretch. That rebounding, especially that second quarter when Isaiah is sitting, that's a crucial time in the game. So I'm hoping that the Celtics will just sit there and be like, huh, maybe we should just box out and try. It's the second since the second day I've said the exact same words. That that's that's rocket science, basically. It's I mean, really, you boil down, you just boil it down to its simplest little base thing. That we're you know there are adjustments to be made. There are things that you can do just schematically, but really, when you boil it all down, just just try. Go find a guy, get in his way, and make sure he doesn't jump without you also jumping. And that's it's, it's very simple. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I, I I think you should be a rebounding teacher, man. Just just try, just try. And seriously, Kelly. I can, I can tell you, man. Try. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've been told that. Gee, you know, it, it, it's. I know it's the NBA, and it's very complicated in the NBA. But there are certain things like rebounding that if 
it do, all it does take is some effort. And, and all that gets you is not being the worst. And, you know, I'm not asking anybody to be, like I said, Dennis Rodman would read angles and he would have like this, you know, matrix like numbers of zeros and ones kind of calculating where these, where the ball would go. No one's asking anybody to do that. Just, just find a guy, box him out, even for a short, you don't have to box him out the whole time. Just get in his way. Don't give them straight line runs towards the rim. (sighs) There you go. There you go. Very simple. Yeah, I mean, oh, man. (laughs) 40.4% rebound rate they had. And that was after getting a lot better over the second half. Yeah. You know, some some of it, I think, was attributed to Jay Crowder's foul trouble. I think Jay Crowder's foul trouble really hurt them in, in those two areas with the rebounding. And with the the bench scoring, because I th- I assume he was going to play with the second unit and and help things out there. But e- even when he was on the court, the Celtics only had a forty three point one percent rebound rate, which is which is not good. <laughs> which is certainly not good. They 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 need to they need to eliminate those because look, they guarded Chicago pretty well, obviously. Jimmy Butler got going, and Jimmy Butler can get going, but I mean, if 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 you hold a team to eight made threes, and and three of those are from Bobby Mother bleeping Portis, and and you hold a team to forty two point nine percent, and you force nineteen turnovers, normally you're going to win that game. So I, I don't know. I, I I don't think any the Celtics have anything to panic. I don't think they even need to make too many adjustments except trying to find a way to score when Isaiah Thomas is on the bench. That is that is the riddle for them. It, it has been the riddle since he got to Boston, and it has become, for whatever reason, an, an even bigger issue over the last two, three months. It, it has been pitiful sometimes watching them without Isaiah Thomas on the court. Four minutes and nine seconds in the first Terrible. half. They were scoreless with him on the bench. That, that's almost impossible. And you can't you can't survive a game like that. You you just it puts you in such a hole. And and still, still they had a chance. Still, you know, if 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 they had contested Jimmy Butler on the last possession of the third quarter where where Jalen Brown should he backed up and let Jimmy kind of walk into a three that tied the game. They they would have been up three going into the fourth, but I don't I don't know it. I I, I wasn't. I don't think they should be too too worried right now. I think they played just about as poorly as they could have in a lot of key areas, and and they still were in a close game. And I think. A lot, a lot, a lot of things, with the exception of Nikola Mirotic's shooting, went right for Chicago. Like, but you know, that's just playoff basketball. The next game, it's it's going to be completely different. I, I always, you always try to like judge from one game to the next what's going to happen, and in the playoffs, it, sometimes it's not even worth it. Like, no, it's true. Bobby it's Portis, true. Will, he was a hero in game one. Game two, he'll probably do nothing because that's what Bobby Portis does. <laughs> and, you know, Jay Crowder, like, 
he had some shooting issues in game one. He'll probably make shots in game two because that's what Jay Crowder does. Like right. you, you say, all these things went right, and they were they were lucky. The Bulls were lucky to win. Well, next games, some other things might go right, and I don't know. It's 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 always it's always fun for me to watch how different every game is right in the playoffs. It's true. It's true. I I tweeted out earlier that. I think the all of the hugging that Isaiah Thomas went through, uh, I, if, I would be shocked if the the, the Celtics didn't send a, a long clip of that kind of mugging uh, that he had to go through and that there wouldn't be some calls from the refs early. Like I think there are going to be look, some early calls. It's the playoffs. Yeah. If you watch how Stephen Curry was guarded last year, it was the same thing all the way throughout the playoff. It's it's just how it's sure, going to be. There's not going to be a I, lot of off-ball calls during the playoffs. I, 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 I get that. I don't understand then why. Why why is it that, oh, well, it's the playoffs. Now you can just hold people. Why? It's the playoffs, man. No, that doesn't make sense. No, that doesn't make sense. It does not. How? How is it that, and and I get it. I'm, I'm I'm I get what you're saying. I'm aware of how the the mechanism works. But if if you're just gonna let a five nine guy, who I don't want to say he's an MVP candidate, but he's gonna be he's gonna be getting like top five votes. He's gonna get like fifth place votes. If you're just gonna say, well, yeah, well now you get to hold him. That's you just get to hold him now. And sorry, because now it's the playoffs. Like, wh- why don't rules suddenly apply in the playoffs? Why why are things that applied for eighty two games suddenly? Eh, no, never mind. I don't get it. It's the playoffs, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I I I think that the the Celtics. I, I think that there's going to be some. Some retribution, like you can't, you, I, I just don't, I can't follow the logic of referees sit there and be like, well, now you get to hold people. If anything, it should be the opposite. Like you should have more skill that than just grabbing and holding the star player so he can, you know, that doesn't make any sense to me. It just doesn't make any sense. But this is where you say. It's the playoffs, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised if some of those calls go go Boston's way early, early, and and it just changes the flow of the game. You know that it, it'll be it'll be I don't know Jimmy Butler or Rajon Rondo's turn to get probably Rondo. They're not going to give Butler two early fouls, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they just somebody else gets into foul trouble on on uh, Chicago's side. We'll see. Well, we'll have to figure this out. The Celtics are going to have to figure out a way to stop Jimmy Butler. Uh, and I think the foul trouble that uh, Jay Crowder was was having kind of changed the the way Butler was defended. And we, we had Avery Bradley on Butler a lot. And what we saw was Butler just shooting over the top of Avery Bradley. And, and despite Avery's best efforts, Butler got somewhat clean looks. And that that changes if if. Jay Crowder can go out there and guard him, then those looks aren't quite as clean. And if Crowder can stay out of foul trouble, then that changes the dynamic of the game too. 
we'll just have to see how much playoff basketball is allowed. If, if it's playoffs for Chicago and they get the hold, then it should be the playoffs for Boston. So we'll see if they get to, you know, also foul. It's, it's the playoffs for Bobby Portis too, man. Play, playoff Bobby Portis in the Whatever. house? Yeah. <laughs> that, I hope, is not a thing. So, all right. We'll see. We'll see if the Celtics can bounce back and win game two. I think they can. I, I think some of these things are effort-driven, and and hopefully the emotions of game one can actually, for the rest of the team, be kind of more normalized. And that hopefully with a couple of days of processing, the guys can be slightly more normal around each other and we can get a little bit more of a, a regular uh, feel before the game and as, as close as we can get and, and the Celtics can kind of come out and, and play a little bit more focused and hopefully they come out and uh, do the job. So uh, we thank you for listening. If you are a subscriber, thank you. You should be rating us five stars and leaving us a review those are extremely helpful. Those are you should be helpful. <laughs> I love you. They should be. And it's true. Everybody should be. Should be. God, God damn it, people. You should. <laughs> you should be rating us five stars. You should be leaving us nice reviews. So when people stumble across Lockdown Celtics on iTunes, they will say, oh, a lot of people like this. It's very highly rated. I'm going to listen to that helps us out quite a bit. If you are not a subscriber, please, what are you waiting for? You get high quality programming like this for free every day delivered straight to your phone or other mobile device or however it is you consume your podcasts. Please subscribe. We are everywhere you can find a podcast. And if for some reason something has popped up and we are not there, you tell me, you tell Jay, we'll straighten that the hell out right away. Uh, If you are like many of you, a business owner, uh, a hiring manager, check out ZipRecruiter.com. Remember, ZipRecruiter can post your job to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks, and you can try it for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-Celtics. ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-Celtics. Okay, that's the Tuesday show. Consume us pregame, and we will be back postgame hopefully with an even series between the Celtics and the Bulls. Thanks for listening. This has been the Locked On Celtics Podcast. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah, Jay King and John Corrales. Locked On Celtics. Millies. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.